Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. As you can read from the screen, the focus of our lesson today is from Colossians 3, specifically these three verses mentioned on the screen. I've entitled this A Response to Christ, because remember from verse, chapters 1 and 2 of Colossians, we found the doctrine in chapters 3 and 4, we read of the practical application or our response to the doctrine. The doctrine of chapters 1 and 2 is essentially Christ, the preeminent Savior, the all-sufficient Lord. So our response, this is part one, we'll have part two next week. I've subtitled it, Peace Rules Where the Word Lives. Then I thought about that a little bit, and I thought of another subtitle, uh, which I'm going to show you. God's umpire, and I'll have to explain just a little bit later what I mean by that. So uh, just to uh, start, us, start our thinking off, I want to say at the outside, outset uh, that the piece that's mentioned here is a relationship word. I want to suggest that to you, and we'll dig into that more as we go along. First of all, just as a reminder of what we looked at in the doctrinal section in chapters 1, Jesus' preeminence is seen in these vital relationships which he has defined, and those are listed for you. And I want to suggest to you that our all-sufficient, preeminent, supreme Jesus Christ is also the basis for all relationships, all relationships. He provides the doctrine because he is the basis of all that is right. In last week's lesson, we observed this this list of things that summarize the old style of life that we are to put off, the life of sin, and put on these positive things. And we focused on those and spent a fair amount of time. But I want to ask you to think about these, look at them just a little bit. Do you see any common element in these characteristics that are given here, both positive and negative? Hopefully you will see that really they all, in one way or another, deal with how we treat one another. Or in other words, they are the attributes of our relationships. So... Last week's lesson really was about relationships as well as the one we have this week. Beginning in Colossians 3, I'd like to read 15 through 17. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns 
spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There are three, three commands given by the Holy Spirit in these three verses. Uh, this is in addition to the six commands that we looked at last week, which this is really a continuation. Now I say commands, these, these verbs in the Greek are really imperatives, which means a strong request or a command. I choose to think of them as commands. So the first command in verse 15 is let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And notice it says the peace of God. That is the peace that comes from God. He, he's the source of true peace. Now, we need to keep in mind that this is not something that God does passively to us. And it's true that we have a very active part to play. In fact, Scripture tells us we are to actively pursue peace. And this is used in the present tense, so it has the idea of continuity, of being ongoing. Now the word rule that's given here, I want to come back to that in just a moment, but think about that. It's very important in our understanding and application of this. The second command he gives is be thankful. Uh, and that's found twice in the passage. And this is what one does if they are at peace because of the uh, relationship that we share, we have with God. Uh, we are thankful. The third command he gives, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So if we want the word to dwell, that is, to live in us, then I think we all understand that a diligent study and a commitment is necessary for us to do that. Now I want to stop at this point and define peace because I think it's important to think about the biblical meaning of peace now these, I looked in Thayer's Greek lexicon and it offers six different definitions or nuanced definitions of peace. Uh, and they are based upon the particular context they're used in. Tranquility and harmony, peace between individuals. And it is, the New Testament word is similar to, in meaning at least, to the Old Testament greeting or word shalom, which meant peace, security, prosperity. Then there is the spe specific application to the peace that we find in the Messiah, the tranquil state of a saved soul. We who are saved are at peace. And then the blessed state of the devout and upright men after death that we read about in the book of Revelation. Now, I want to suggest to you that all three of the, or all six rather, of these definitions really are about, again, relationships. As we read earlier in Colossians 1, or noted, uh, <clears throat> and there, I think it, it uh, 
gives the idea, and here as well in these definitions, that we're really talking about good relationships, or to use my favorite definition of biblical peace, I think it means right relationships. So even in our standard dictionary definition of peace, which usually says something to the effect of the absence of conflict, if you think about that, that has to do with relationships as well. Now this is a passage that sheds some more light on the idea of peace, I think, found in Philippians 4, beginning in verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace Before we read the peace of God, here we read the God of peace will be with you. Verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. This is a very familiar passage, I'm sure, to all of us. God is called the God of peace. Using my definition, my favorite definition, he is the God of right relationships. Again, peace is his very nature, and his word is the source of peace. Notice the use of the word learned. It's used twice in this passage. And it has uh, as its meaning, or what was behind it, is it refers to learning by experience and practice. Keep that in mind, experience and practice. Of course, the word receive there refers to our receiving into our mind, into our hearts, both by hearing and by seeing, by seeing how the word is lived out in the life of others. So based on what we know, what we receive, then it calls for us to learn to practice what we know. And we do that in order to develop right relationships, to experience the peace, the relationship, the depth of the relationship that we can enjoy with God. So again, I suggest to you that peace is, the word peace is all about relationships. And just a bit more on that, and we'll leave it. The predominant use of, in the, of the word peace in the New Testament refers to heart peace, inner peace. Uh, <clears throat> one source, and I, I didn't go and count them, but it indicates that there are 92 times the word peace is used, and I did confirm that, but only eight or nine of those uh, do not include the idea of heart peace. So the predominant use is about heart peace. It's about peace that is involved in right relationships. So we can conclude some things, I think, based on what we've considered before. First of all, the lesson last week was about seek, set, and put those things, seek and set things above, and then put on, put off certain things. Again, Those are really about relationships. One, the relationship with Christ. And secondly, the contrast with that, the relationship with the world. 
And then notice also, as I've, I have repeated, that peace is a relationship word. And of course, relationship with God, with other Christians, with the world, with our own circumstances, all that's around us, everyone that's around us. And as I noted also in that word learned, peace is something that we develop in our hearts, in our lives by practicing it. And I think if you think about that for a moment, you'll understand that concept. Now I come to my explanation of the use of the subtitle, God's Umpire. As I've said, peace is about right relationships. It's about a state of goodness of heart, goodness in my mind. And these are three things that are given here from other scriptures that help us to characterize peace. But first of all, I want to focus on umpire. Really, that comes from the word rule that's used in that passage, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And it carries with it the idea, it is the basis by which we make judgments, by which we make decisions. Peace is what allows us drives us to make decisions. At one source, one writer referred to this word rule as meaning to allow peace to be the umpire, a final decider of what enters the heart and leaves the mouth. Decisions are based on whether or not it promotes what is right in relationships with others. And of course, I would add, especially with God. So again, repeating myself, peace is about right relationships, I suggest to you. It helps us decide if we practice it, how we're going to react to people, how we're going to react to situations. Let the peace rule in your heart. Let it be the decision maker. Let it be the umpire that declares foul or you're out of the game if you encounter a situation that's inappropriate or wrong. So peace is a state of harmony, of tranquility, of goodwill, but it's also driven by our umpire that's in our hearts. And there's some things here that, uh, as I say, it's uh, listed, it's not offered in the world. Jesus it said in John 14 that he came not to offer the kind of peace that the world offers. He offered a different kind of peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, a very familiar passage. Don't be anxious in nothing, and it goes on to say, let your request be made known to God, and the reward, the goal that you realize from doing so is the peace of God. If you are anxious, take that anxiety to God and God will reward you with his peace that surpasses all understanding. So the reward is not worrying if we receive the peace of God. Peace is also something that's a choice. Now in this in this passage, 
flip from Philippians 4 that I mentioned. Uh, it talks about the peace of God and it uses the word guard. The peace of God will guard your hearts. And that carries with it the idea of a sentinel, a guard, one who's posted to protect and to make sure that the enemy does not overwhelm you. So peace is a guard to our hearts. It's an umpire for our decision-making to help us uh, indeed realize the kind of relationship that we want to have with God, with other people, with other Christians, anyone around us. So in a, uh, in a very real and practical way, we can enjoy no anxiety, no worry. And the third thing about peace, 1 Peter 3.11 tells us that is to be pursued as well as this passage in Romans 14. So if we want the right relationship in our lives, if we want to enjoy those, we have to pursue it. Again, that active role on our part to seek after uh, the peace of God and we learn, we practice it. By practicing it, uh, we improve, we gain, we grow uh, in the peace of God. I want you to, now that I've mentioned umpiring, I want you to think about this idea of being an umpire, helping in our relationships. Think back to those things that were mentioned again to remind you briefly of the putting off and the putting on, putting off the negative, putting on the positive. And if you put those ideas together, can you think, I asked you to put your thinking caps on, can you think of ways, fairly specific ways, I would ask, that peace acts like an umpire? in your varied relationships. How does it help you make decisions about, to decide about your relationships? Anyone have any thoughts? Let me move a little closer so I... So I can hear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Peace. Tom's suggesting acts like a, a regulator helps us t- to avoid overreacting in certain kinds of situations when we may be stimulated to. Lash out, be a little angry, seek vengeance. Other thoughts about how peace can serve as an umpire in our relationships. Think about your homes, think about your coworkers, uh, people you go to school with, or whatever. Yes, sir, Jeff. can lead us to forego our own agendas 
and uh, replace those with God's plan, God's agenda. Other thoughts? peace with God uh, means that we are not certainly in conflict with God and it helps us in dealing with conflicts with other people. Think about your home. Now, if you're tempted I'll pick on Troy. If you're tempted to lie to Rebecca peace, if you think on it, peace can think, well, That's going to mess up my relationship. And it's the same with anyone that we deal with. Lying, being angry, taking, having thoughts of vengeance. Some of those things that were mentioned in the negative characteristics. Or on the other hand, compassion, kindness. Uh, Yes, I'm going to decide in my heart that I'm going to have a heart of kindness and compassion. So hopefully you get the idea here about peace being the umpire helping us to make our decisions. Now, it mentions in verse 15 uh, that our calling, it mentions our calling to which you were called, that is peace, in one body. And this is pointing to the very purpose of our calling. In fact, the specific words there, to which, uh, refer to the idea or point to the idea of a goal or a purpose. So we are called for a purpose. We're called to the peace of God. That peace is to be our umpire, our ruler, our decision maker, our guardian, our protector. Now, Christians, as we know, are called to a lot of different things. Uh, We're called to belong to Christ. We're called according to his purpose. We're called to be justified. We're called to be sons of the living God. All of these things are realized uh, in connection with peace, the peace of God. Now, this passage would suggest, I think, that the idea of peace, and if you think about it, it's intended to be something that's individual to me and to you. But uh, on the other hand, it is uh, threefold as well, our relationship with God, with others, and with the world. Second point on this slide is that uh, peace is indeed something that's shared. It is indeed something individual to myself, but at the same time, It talks about peace in the one body. We're called in the one body. So it is something that is is, uh, individual as well as shared. In fact, in the very language that's that's used here, uh, the the idea of both individual and plurality, if you will, is involved. There's another characteristic there that's uh, given as well of, uh, of the peace that we're called to. In fact, that's also, you may remember, the second command that's on the list of three commands. We're called to be thankful. Uh, this is something that's 
uh, not an option for those who would enjoy the peace of God, uh, those who are called to be be, uh, a part of the kingdom of Christ. Now, pardon me, the, uh, the word be that's used in that verse, the little word be could also mean also be or be also or be therefore or because you're called in one body, uh, you're called to peace. And if you are called to peace, you're called to be thankful. So peace and thankfulness go together. But again, we need to think and connect back to the all-sufficient, preeminent, supreme nature of Jesus Christ. He's the one that called us, and he called us in his nature to be thankful, to be people of peace. Now again, another question to ponder, and this one may be a little more obscure. But uh, think about peace and thankfulness together, if you would. And how, how do you think those two ideas connect together? Or how do they impact one another? Or how do you react if you are thankful and you are a person of peace? You have peace of God, the peace of God in your heart. If I'm a beneficiary of these right relationships that come with peace, does that have any effect on my attitude of thankfulness, of thanksgiving? Yes, sir, Fred. I've always thought of the relationship between being thankful to God for the peace He bestows in terms of God is at the center. All things are in His hands. Whatever confronts us in life, small issue, big issue, whatever we have the ability to bring to a good conclusion, we're supposed to. Everything else is beyond our ability to control. So we don't fret and worry and fuss and fume over it. We trust the will of God because it is written, All things work for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And we live, move, and have our being in God. So, for me, thankfulness is in two parts. The desire that God inspires in me to respond as best I can to follow in the steps of Jesus to do what I need to do and can do. The second is thankfulness in that everything else is in His hands and it will be handled according to His will and ultimately 
for my benefit in some way, shape, or form. Does all that make sense? Yes, it does. It's, a, it's going to be a real challenge for me to play all of that back for those who are watching at home. I wish I'd had a microphone that you could use, Fred. Uh, Fred suggests that thankful, thankfulness on his part has two aspects to it. One of those, of course, is the thankfulness for what God has placed in our hearts in terms of his will, his word, that governs our lives, that allows us to live uh, lives of peace. And the other part of that, Fred, I'm not sure that I can, can express very well. Tell me again, please. The other part is, because it is written, we, that all things work for good to those that love God, and are called according to his purpose. Because it is written, we live, move, and have our being in God. For all the other situations that are beyond our ability to control or even influence that can cause us great harm, all those things are in God's hands as well. And we can be certain he will handle all of them to our ultimate benefit benefit of one kind or another, but it will be to our benefit because God loves us. Fred cites Roman 8, Romans 8, where it tells us that all things work together for good, and that is another reason to be thankful because we don't have to be anxious. God has those. He takes care of those for us, and whether it's good or bad, the ultimate result for us is a good outcome. Now, it may be an eternity before we enjoy that outcome, but it is nevertheless all good and a reason to be thankful. Well, those are some good thoughts. I wish that we had more time, and I wish you had more time, because as I say, my question may be a little obscure and certainly has sprung on you at the, at the last moment. Another command that's given in this passage is let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I've reworded it slightly because it is a command. The word of Christ must dwell in you richly. Two, two things to notice about this passage. First of all, that uh, adverb richly that you use there, that means abundantly. It tells us, uh, I think, how actively, how continuously, how diligently we are to pursue after God's Word. Then the other word, dwell, simply means to be at home. It lives in us. And In thinking about this, I was doing some digging on the, on the internet of all places, not Wikipedia, but I came across this list of strong homes. What makes a strong home? So if, if the word of Christ is to dwell in me, how do I, what shows that my, that the word dwelling me in, 
is, uh, has strength to it. And these are the things that are listed here. Uh, a strong home, a strong dwelling, expresses love and appreciation. Do I express love and appreciation for God, God's word? Are other people aware of my love for his word? Uh, <clears throat> how strong is my commitment? This says to each other, how strong is my commitment to the word? Do I spend enjoyable time with the word? Is it fruitful, the time that I spend? Do I use the things that I learn to manage stress and crises that arise in my life? Is the word of peace really there? Is it helping in my umpiring, my actions, my thoughts? And has, does this strong home where the word dwells give me a sense of spiritual well-being? Is, that, is the word truly dear to me when I think about it, when I meditate on it? I think, just a side note here, I think all of us are acutely aware when we observe and hear Glenn Colley, we can truly understand that he has a sense of well-being and a great love for the Word. We all should aspire to have that depth of love for his Word. Do I effectively communicate to others my love for the Word and what I know about the Word? Then we come on to verse 16, and I'll read it again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace or thankfulness in your hearts to the Lord. Now, we often call upon this verse in our discussion of singing, of the instrument, and so on. But I want to suggest to you that this verse has a much broader application than just our singing. Remember the overall context here in these verses and in the chapter is about right relationships. Uh, so it's peace in concert with the word that is mentioned here, dwelling in us, that uh, is comes from God's wisdom, allows us, governs for us, guides us to right relationships. The terms that are used there, again, I would suggest to you are relationship words because it says teaching one another, admonishing one another. And that idea of one another carries or includes in it the idea of mutual or reciprocal benefit. So everything that I do in teaching, admonishing one another should be to our mutual benefit. Now it's talking about singing for sure, but the purpose of that singing is to teach and admonish. Think about those first two that are listed there. Those are things that involve relationships in the church. We're to teach one another, we're to admonish one another. And the last one, singing to the Lord, has to do with our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not called on to sing louder. 
We're not called on to have the sweetest voice. Uh, We're not called on to sing with pride or show off or whatever. Uh, But on the other hand, we are to make it the best possible that we can do. And I'm pleased that that really is a part of the emphasis here at West Huntsville, that, that our singing really is uh, very good. And I think the reason, the ultimate reason is because people have, have the word in their heart and they want to sing about that word. It says, do this by psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In general, people who comment on this don't make, or make very little distinction between the three terms but they're all involved in teaching, admonishing, and of course they are to be to our Lord, who's the only audience uh, that we have. The Word of Christ needs to be at home in us. And of course, that should be the, uh, the source of our singing. Every one of our songs needs to be biblically correct. It needs to be biblically, doctrinally, doctrinally, accurate and it is to be done with and the New King James has the word grace but I really think the word thankfulness in this particular context is a better word now I do think uh, as I said this is not I don't think I think the broader message in this verse is not so much about singing per se or the instrument but I do want to challenge those who, and I hope that's no one here, but who has some regard for the use of the instrument. Uh, Think about this. uh, Would you for a moment, can an instrument do anything with the wisdom of Christ? Can an instrument teach or can it admonish? Can an instrument have thankfulness? in the heart, or for that matter, does an instrument even have a heart? I'm gonna finish up with this slide, even though there are some other thoughts I wanted to present, but I don't want us to run out of time. There are some words to note further uh, here uh, in in this passage. Uh, in verse 17 in particular, it begins uh, with the conjunction and, and uh, that connects it back to all of the things that are said in the, in the verses previous to that. But it, it is literally saying all that you do. Uh, any of the good things that Christians are involved in, any of the things that we speak, sing, write, do, Uh, think about all that we do those are to be done in the name of Christ now when we use the expression in the name of Christ we usually think of by the authority of but I think here particularly that expression includes more I think it includes this idea of being in a vital relationship in a right relationship with Christ It also includes, I think, this idea of harmony and tranquility, uh, the peace that is uh, discussed in the context. And again, all of this is connecting back to the all. 
sufficient Jesus. Certainly he is all sufficient. He is the basis for what we do. It is all in his name. We enjoy this close relationship with him and therefore we should want to engage in things only that are for his glory, uh, for in, in his name. And it ends again by saying, giving thanks through him. These three commands that are given, we are to obey those, all of those, with thankfulness. Let the peace rule with thankfulness. Let the word dwell richly with thankfulness. Do all good works, all good things in the name of the Lord with thankfulness. Now we give our thanks in prayer, in our singing, uh, in our lives. But uh, as I say, I'm going to stop there. There are a few more thoughts that I want to share with you. Primarily, they have to do with summarizing the things that are said here. Pardon me. Next week, there's essentially a, a continuation of this in that it's further discussion about this idea of right relationships. And it gets very specific in the things that we'll look at next week and the relationships that we all or often at least deal with on a daily and regular basis in our homes and our workplace and so on. So I thank you for being here. I thank you for the discussion in the short times that I allowed discussion. Uh, And uh, I pray for you to have a week of total peace of all your relationships being right and good in the eyes of the Lord. The God of peace be with you. That's the greeting That's the salutation that Paul, in his writing, leaves with us. So, have a good day, and thank you for being here. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.